some um, with Donna when uh, we were uh, uh, newlyweds. Uh, I took Donna back to Pennsylvania to meet my family. Went and visited my grandmother, who was a godly woman, loved Jesus Christ a lot. And she was in uh, significant dementia in, in her 90s in a nursing home. And so we went and visited her. And uh, uh, we wheeled around the nursing home, and we took her into an auditorium where there was a piano. And Donna, who plays the piano, sat down, and, and we just started singing hymns. And it's interesting. She couldn't remember what she had done five seconds ago, but she knew the words of those hymns like that. And she was singing these hymns. So Donna turned uh, to Amazing Grace, and she looked at my grandmother, and she said, Grandma, she said, do you know Amazing Grace? And my grandmother looked at her and said, no, how long have you known her for? <laughs> what is grace? Well, take out your message notes and you'll see a definition of grace right there on your notes. Look at it. Read it aloud with me, would you? Let's read it together. Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited, unconditional love, kindness, forgiveness, and favor given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So we are in week number two of our four-week message series entitled, God's Redeeming Love. This series is based on the book of Ruth because the book of Ruth is a book of grace. It's all about God's undeserved, unmerited, unconditional love, kindness, forgiveness, and favor freely given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, without a doubt, the book of Ruth is one of the greatest love stories of all time. And as we learned last week, it's a love story on two levels. On one level, on the human level, it's a love story between a maid from Moab named Ruth and a bachelor from Bethlehem named Boaz. But on another level, on the divine level, the book of Ruth is a love story about you and me and God's love for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen one of these books? This is a book Donna keeps at our house for when our grandkids come and visit. It's an I Spy book. And you know, there's supposed to be an object on each page, and you look through the page, and you hunt for the object on the page. And when you see it, you say what? I spy. Well, in a sense, the book of Ruth is an I spy book. Because in the book of Ruth, if you look carefully, you can spy out, you can see Jesus Christ. You might ask, where's Jesus in the book of the Ruth? You're going to see today where he is. Because if you look closely in this book, you're going to see him represented in the person of someone who shows up for the first time now in the book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 2. Last week we were in Ruth 1. Let's look in Ruth chapter 2. We're going to read through Ruth chapter 2 now. Open your Bibles, please, to Ruth chapter 2. You can follow along. If you forgot to bring your Bible, bring it with you next week. But we have uh, put the 
scripture up here on the screen for you to see if you don't have your Bible with you today. Here's how Ruth chapter 2 goes. It'll take a few minutes to read, but it will be worth your time. Here's how it goes. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whatever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. And don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field till evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah, which is approximately three-fifths of a bushel. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you work? Blessed be the name of the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth took her mother-in-law about, told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. 
The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. The book of Ruth is all about the grace of God and how great is God's grace and how easy it is to take it for granted. That's why this morning, on the basis of Ruth chapter 2, I want to share with you five characteristics of God's amazing grace that you will be able to find great joy in and in this new year as you continually value these five characteristics and delight in the redeeming love of God. So here's the first characteristic of God's grace. You can write it on your notes. Ruth chapter 2 reminds us that God's grace is saving grace. It is saving grace. Last week we saw how desperately Ruth was in need of salvation and deliverance. There in Moab, her life was a cursed life. She was a pagan living in a cursed land, Moab, outside of the people of God. Her life was a crushed life. She was a widow, bereft and bankrupt, and her life was a condemned life. She was condemned to a life leading to death unless somebody intervened to provide for her unmerited, undeserved, unconditional love, kindness, and favor. She was in need of redemption and forgiveness. And you know, in the Middle Eastern culture of Ruth's day, she had only one hope. Her only hope was for this. Let's put it up on the screen. A kinsman redeemer. You see, in Israel, there was a law called the law of the kinsman redeemer. It basically went this way. If a husband died and did not have any children, his wife needed to be taken care of. And the law of the kinsman redeemer saw that that happened. It went this way. If a husband died and his widow was left on her own, a male relative, a kinsman, would take it upon himself to assume all the debt of the deceased husband, would redeem any property that was in bankruptcy, would get back any of the land the husband had lost, and then, of all things, he would take the deceased husband's widow under the refuge of his wing and make her his bride. It was the law of the kinsman redeemer. 
and it was Ruth's only hope for salvation and deliverance. She needed kindness. She needed love. She needed care. And it would only come from a kinsman redeemer. So the turning point in the book of Ruth we just read in Ruth chapter 2. Look in your Bible again at verses 19 and 20. Here's the turning point. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, this man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. I hope that you see that Boaz is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it. Boaz was from Bethlehem. So was Jesus. Boaz was rich. So is Jesus. Boaz was a man of great standing. So is Jesus. Boaz was willing to redeem. So is Jesus. Boaz was Ruth's only hope for salvation and deliverance. And so is the Lord Jesus for each one of us. Galatians 3, verse 13 on your notes, says this about the saving grace of Jesus. Christ Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. That's the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He is our kinsman redeemer. You confess that this morning. Do you remember what you said when you recited Martin Luther's explanation to the second article of the, whole, of the Apostles' Creed? And I believe in Jesus Christ who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me back from sin, death, and the power of Satan, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. So embrace this saving grace of Jesus Christ. Don't ever take it for granted. Decide to delight in the redeeming love of God. And Ruth chapter 2 reminds us that God's grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, is not just saving grace. It is also, write this down, secondly, sovereign grace. It is sovereign grace. You see, the law of Moses instructed landowners in Israel to do something. They were to always leave behind in their fields what their harvesters missed after going through and harvesting the field once. They were not to go back a second time and try to catch the leftovers. Instead, they were to leave behind what was left for the aliens, the widows, the fatherless, the poor to go out and glean for food. And notice what verse 3 in your Bible says in Ruth chapter 2, verse 3 says about Ruth, as it 
turned out, when Ruth went out to the field to pick up grain, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz. I'd like to ask you to circle in your Bible those words, as it turned out. Right there in those words is God's hidden, sovereign hand working behind the scenes, arranging the circumstances, taking care of all the details of Ruth's life. The grace of God is sovereign grace. And I want to tell you this, if you have come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ by grace through faith, God is working out this very day every detail of your life. Listen to this promise about God from Job 23 there on your notes in the Message Bible paraphrase. But He is singular and sovereign. Who can argue with Him? He does what He wants when He wants to. He will complete in detail what He has decided about me. God is putting infinite thought, skill, and attention carefully into every single detail of your life. Some people say the devil is in the details, but I want to tell you the Word of God says God is in the details. He is always working in the details of your life. This is His sovereign grace, so embrace His grace. Don't ever take it for granted. Rest in it day in and day out. Decide to delight in the redeeming love of God. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is not only saving grace and sovereign grace, it is also, number three, seeking grace. It is seeking grace. Here in Ruth chapter 2, we do not see Ruth seeking Boaz out. Instead, we see Boaz seeking Ruth out, and this is the way it had to be. Ruth, after all, was bankrupt. Boaz was wealthy. Ruth was pagan. Boaz was one of the children of God's chosen people. Ruth was low caste. Boaz was high society. Ruth didn't own the field. Boaz owned it all. Ruth didn't have a prayer without Boaz's intervention. He had no hope unless Boaz sought her out. And my friends, that's the way we are too. We don't have a prayer unless God seeks us out. Do you remember the definition of grace? God's undeserved, unmerited, unconditional love, kindness, forgiveness, and favor freely given to us through Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, the Chicago Tribune published the following article. Let me read it to you. Marcio de Silvia, a love-struck Brazilian artist, was distraught over the recent breakup of a four-year relationship with his girlfriend. He tried to win her back by a gesture of great devotion. He walked on his knees for nine miles. 
with pieces of car tires tied to his kneecaps, the 21-year-old man shuffled along for 14 hours before he reached her home in Santos, Brazil. He was cheered on by motorists and passers-by, but when he reached the end of his marathon of love, clearly exhausted, he found out that the 19-year-old woman of his dreams was out on a date with another man. You know, some people try similar acts of devotion to impress God and to win God's salvation. But I want to tell you, God's not impressed. The only thing that brings us the forgiveness of our sins and new and abundant life with God is Christ's sacrificial work for us upon the cross, not our sacrificial work for Him. Salvation is not rooted in the merit of man, but in the mercy of God and God alone. As Mark Twain once said, heaven comes by grace. If it were by merit, you would stay out and your dog would come in. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is seeking grace. So embrace His grace. Don't ever take it for granted. Decide to delight in the redeeming love of God. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is not only saving grace, sovereign grace, seeking grace, it is also satisfying grace. Satisfying grace. Notice here in Ruth 2 what, Boaz, or what Ruth's kinsman redeemer Boaz does for her. Did you see that he took care of making sure that she had everything that she needed, and not just everything that she needed. She had enough left over to share with others. And I want to tell you that your kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, does the exact same thing. Psalm 103, verses 2 to 5 on your notes says this. Read that out loud with me, please. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I once read a description of an elevator written by a young child. Here was this young child's description of an elevator. I love it. I got into this little room, and the upstairs came down. And hey, when you come into the room of Jesus Christ, and you enter into, by His grace, a saving relationship with Him, heaven comes down. God's glory. God's power, God's presence, God's help for you each and every day. God comes and He satisfies your soul that you have all you need, not just for yourself, but enough to share with others. Didn't Christ's meal remind us of that today? What happened? We came into the room and heaven came down. 
And God gave us what we need so that we might share with the world what the world needs. This is the grace of your kingdom redeemer, your kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. It is satisfying grace. Don't ever take it for granted. Decide to delight in the redeeming love of God. And I delight to tell you one more thing, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is not just saving grace and sovereign grace and seeking grace and satisfying grace. It is also securing grace. It is securing grace. Ruth chapter 2 reminds us of this. When we read in our Bibles in verse 9, look at verse 9, the words of Boaz to Ruth. I have told the men not to touch you. In essence, Ruth's kinsman redeemer said, Ruth, you're safe. You're secure. I'm going to protect you. And Jesus Christ, your kinsman redeemer, says the same thing to you. For notice what the second half of verse 12 says in your Bible, describing the Lord God, the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Some of you today, I know that you walked into this church carrying a load in your heart, challenging situations, circumstances, people in your life. And you wonder if God really cares and if he's going to carry you through and if he's really involved. He is. Ruth chapter 2 reminds us of this because Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He will protect you, take care of you. His grace is securing grace. Do you know that trapeze artists use a net, always use a net, for two reasons. Number one, so that they don't break their neck. But there's a second reason why they always use a net. It is this reason right here. So that they do not get so nervous about potentially missing that bar and falling that they do not attempt to do the amazing things that they do as they find from the net underneath them the courage to risk, to attempt great things, to take leaps of faith. The Bible says this about us and about God in Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath us are the everlasting arms. Because of the securing grace of your kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ, you can courageously dare to be holy, dare to walk with God, dare to attempt great things for God, dare to take steps of faith in your life. And you know what? So can we as a church. We can attempt great things for God. We don't have to fear failure ever. Why? Because underneath us are the everlasting arms of our Savior. This is His securing grace. Embrace this grace. 
Don't ever take it for granted. Decide to delight in the redeeming love of God. So I say to you personally, and I say to all of us at Mission Liberty Hill Lutheran Church, what the scriptures say in so many places, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Ruth was not in Boaz's field by accident that day. And I want to tell you that you're not here at this church this day by accident. The most important message in the Scripture is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this new year ahead, won't you embrace this grace? Won't you never take it for granted, but instead decide to delight in the redeeming love of God? If you'll do that, if we'll do that, then when people say to us, where's Jesus? We'll be able to say, right here in my heart and right here in my church. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's stand for prayer. My friend, as your head is bowed for prayer, let me ask you, what dimension of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ do you need to embrace today? Is it the saving grace of Jesus? Then ask him to be your savior this day. Trust in his redeeming work for you on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. I'll give you a moment to do that right now in prayer. Or do you need to embrace in a new way the sovereign grace of Jesus Christ? Then commit to him every detail of your life, all your hopes, your dreams, your plans. He is in the details, so do that now in a moment of quiet prayer. Or do you need to respond to the seeking grace of Jesus? Maybe you've drifted far from him and you wonder if he'll ever welcome you back. He is seeking you out today. Tell him you are responding to his seeking and coming home to him by the grace and power of his Holy Spirit. I'll give you a moment to do that now. Or is it the satisfying grace of Jesus that you need to receive this morning? Perhaps you need the upstairs of God's strength, God's provision, God's peace and contentment to come down into your life. Take a moment now 
and invite Jesus and his satisfying grace to flood your heart, your life, your family. Or finally, perhaps you need to rest in the securing grace of Jesus. Ask him now to be your heavenly protector, to set you free from the chains of fear and anxiety, to help you rest and find refuge in his protecting care. Yes, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for coming to be our kinsman redeemer. By the power of your spirit, we do decide to delight in the redeeming love and the amazing grace of our God and Savior. And if that's your prayer today, would you say amen and amen. Let's sing our closing song.